Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. want to give a big shout-out to all the sponsors of the show. Durham Dude, Par Hopper Golf Apparel, uh, Straight Haggard Thread Company, Gridiron Coffee, uh, Williams Tire Nobles Networking, our management company, Red Circle, and all the corporate sponsors. I have been talking about this one for a while. I'm excited to have these folks in here. I'm all about people making an actual change, not just being keyboard patriots. And you have some real people in here running for real offices in the state of Georgia. Uh, Mr. Chan Jones sitting next to me. I'm going to let him introduce the fellas so I don't mess it up. Josh, we got David Bell Isle. He's running for Secretary of State in the next year's elections. And Bruce Thompson's running for Labor Commissioner. There we go. Uh, well, I think we should talk, start off by you guys telling us a little bit about y'all. Uh, one thing I'm sure every interview that y'all do is uh, it's just very generic. Like, I want to give the listener a reason to gravitate towards you. Um, I got to hear you speak at a fridge fry uh, down in Ryan, Georgia, not long ago. Oh, very good. And I just didn't. I would have wished that I had a little bit more time to talk to you, but didn't get the opportunity. So now we do. Uh, so we'll start with you, Mr. David. Um, kind of give people a... A little bit of a background on you yeah well josh first of all thank you for having me and uh so uh, uh just some basic stuff i'm a sixth generation georgian i grew up in gainesville georgia the poultry capital of the world uh, my adult life uh has been in alpharetta and uh, i'm an attorney by trade uh i have a uh I'm, i have a i'm a 24 year husband to an amazing wife i've got a college uh son a freshman at georgia and a daughter uh, who's go dogs! A, yeah, go dogs! And a, a daughter who's a junior in high school, and she's 16. And my gosh, there's a cloud that floats over our house, but uh, she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It's always good to make friends with lawyers. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm liable to need you one day. As much trash as I talk on here, I'm definitely getting sued at some point in time. It's hopefully not over this conversation yeah. today. Uh, Mr. Bruce, tell me a little bit about you, big guy. Josh, I appreciate it. Uh, I grew up in Montana. Had a very tough background. Mom had made a lot of poor choices, and I'm the product of her being gang raped, coming home from a bar once. Uh, wrestled in college, then went into the Army National Guard Tank Command School, and then I started companies. And started some companies at a young age in Florida and sold them, was migrating out west, stopped in Georgia in 1990 and stayed. Went up through the management level of Home Depot and then started a bunch of other companies. So serial entrepreneur, uh, married 20, roughly 25 years, two adopted newborn kids, one is about to graduate from Sanford. The other one's over at military school. Um, serving the Senate, where I chair economic development, which clearly became evident we got a huge problem at the Department of Labor when they don't bother to pick up the phone. So I'm here to try and fix that. Uh, any of those businesses want to sponsor a podcast? I think we, <laughs> we, we'd be happy to talk about that. Hey, we can definitely talk about that. Um, that's cool. Uh, you're right with the Department of Labor. Um, I, I want to know something. like, cause I, Yes, sir. With everybody right now, I don't understand why everyone's out of work right now. Is it just, there's so many, there's help wanted signs everywhere you go. And it doesn't seem like anybody wants to work. I, I don't know what the disconnect is between everybody there. Cause I see so many people wanting jobs, but it doesn't seem like anybody's getting hired anywhere. Well, when you have a government that basically retooled the mind of people by sending them home and paying them to stay at home, it's tough to get them back. I mean, we talk about addictions to all kinds of different things out there. We addicted people to sit at home. And right now, this Department of Labor is so antiquated, it's obvious we haven't modernized it to be able to see. People are still receiving checks while they're working cash on the side. So where's the incentive when you can make 50, 60, 70,000 by still getting a government check that shows up and you're working cash on the side? We've got companies all over our state 
just trying to call back the workers they laid off and the people refused to come back because they're still getting their uh, absolute government assistance. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> Most like taxpayers don't like it. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it whatsoever. I just, uh, I grew up with my granddaddy always working. I grew up with the, the farming community mm-hmm. and I just, I'm not used to the concept of people getting paid for sitting on their butts. And I just, there's nothing a, that I like about it. I don't like any of these people right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, the kicker is, is when they needed, those that needed their checks, they couldn't get the Department of Labor to be able to process the checks, and they wouldn't pick the phone up. And now, on the other hand, <laughs> they've got their checks, some of them got their checks, they're not coming back to work. So but it's a big problem. How workforce. long has the Department of Labor actually been closed? Oh, goodness. Since the pandemic. They shut it down, and to this day, there's many around the state, those labor offices are just starting to cream back. And when the labor, current labor commissioner was asked, when are you going to restaff them? He said, if I have to make my employees come back to the office, they'll quit on me. I have not heard a good word about that guy. Um, I'll give you one. What's that? Bruce Thompson's about to be the next labor commissioner. I like you already. <laughs> me and you are going to be buds. Um, I kind of like hinted around to some people who I was going to have in here. And Secretary of State was a huge issue during the election last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nobody noticed that, right? Um, what are some of the things that would have set you apart from what happened last year with the secretary of state? Yeah. And that's an excellent question because you, you you know, we want to talk about what we want to change, but you first got to talk about what needs to be changed. And, you know, people ask me all the time. I mean, you know, there, there are, I have friends who kind of, you know, friends care about you, right? Friends, friends like, you know, they, they want the best for you. That makes them a friend. And, so I've had some friends who have come up to me and, and they mean it in the best possible way. And they'll tell me, hey, aren't you glad you weren't Secretary of State? And I was like, oh my gosh, uh, thank you for the consideration. But no, I wish I had been Secretary of State. And the reason they say that is I, I ran for Secretary of State last time. I was in the runoff with Brad. Uh, he spent $2 million of his own money and, and he bought the election and, and now we're all paying for it. Uh, but, the, but it's important to know and understand that the 2020 election is not something that happened to Brad Raffensperger. It is something that happened through Brad Raffensperger. And, uh, you know, one of the first things he did, and this had never been done, uh, certainly in the history of our state, is that he sent uh, uh, 6.9 million unsolicited applications, absentee ballot applications, to the voter rolls for the state of Georgia. Now, it's bad enough that he did that. We've been pushing against the Democrats wanting us to do that for a long time for a very simple reason. The voter rolls aren't that great. <laughs> you send an absentee ballot application to someone who's not a voter, you're, offer, you're inviting them to commit fraud. But it's worse than that. He did it in such a way that there was a box to check and you could get ballots for the entire cycle, not just that particular election. But even that, he sent it first-class mail. Most people don't quite put this connection together. But first-class mail, uh, it has this added feature that when it arrives at an address and that person is no longer there because they've either died or they've relocated, but uh, it is forwarded to the next address. And uh, obviously not when you're dead, but <laughs> but it's forwarded to the next address and whether that address is in-state or out-of-state. And if anyone acts on that, it creates an opportunity for an illegal vote. But in addition to that, <laughs> there was that consent decree. That's what everyone has come to kind of give it by shorthand. There was this lawsuit filed by the Democrat Party and other entities against the Secretary of State's office on how the absentee ballot would be treated. Uh, and, and that means treated by the 159 County Board of Elections. And Brad signed this settlement agreement. Now that in itself is bad and most people think it is, but let me tell you why. Because when he signed that consent decree, what he did is he agreed to shift the burden in favor of accepting un 
uh, invalid absentee ballots. In other words, to, to put that in perspective, in the 2018 2016 elections, the average rejection rate for an invalid ballot uh, for absentee ballots was about 4.6%. But in this most recent election in 2020, it was 0.4%, which means there's about 55,000 ballots or 55,000 votes because of that burden shift that were counted that in any other election would have been rejected for either an improper signature, not an actual voter, improper address, and that's huge. That is the kind of thing that, regardless of fraud, can change the outcome of an election, especially one that's decided by less than 12,000 votes. Yeah, Chan, when he was here last time, he explained the whole voting process to me. Like, I had no idea that with so much. With, with well, so the, much. the problem you had, Josh, was a lot of these politicians that got up in Atlanta and got on television and started talking, you know, they're forbidden from seeing the process. Yeah. You know, if you're on the ballot, you can't be in there watching the dirty of how it works, signature verification. You, you're not you're not invited to be a part of that process, which was what was frustrating to me. They were talking about something they had never seen. They, they had never seen how it, it was open. Um, and if we wouldn't have made a big deal out of this, the door being completely open, if it was bad last time, next time it would be even worse. It, it, do, you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. You're going to get used to the parameters that you're boxed into. Well, that's right. I mean, and I mean, you look at voter rolls. I mean, those, I know we, you know, we take a, a hit every time we suggest that someone, because they've either moved or died, should be taken off the voter rolls. Uh, but Fulton County, for instance, Fulton County, they have 103% of eligible voters registered to vote. How do you have over 100%? It means you don't keep your list up to date. And you then purge your old people. That's right. So there are, there are folks that have moved. There are folks that have died. But of the eligible voters, based on the current uh, census numbers and based on the current uh, 2020 uh, voter registration data, uh, they have 103% of eligible voters registered to vote. And those are the kinds of things that's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. And it only takes two data points to figure that out then why don't you, as a Secretary of State, do something about that? There's two editors to the voters list. One is the, the, the County Board of Elections, but when they don't do their job, it becomes the duty and it becomes incumbent upon the Secretary of State to do that job. And so uh, it, it is well known, well documented, that Fulton County is ground zero when it comes to election uncertainty, election irregularities, and election fraud, and that has to be a focus of our next Secretary of State. I sure hope so. Why do you think I, and I don't want to do like conspiracy theories, nothing with y'all. Why do you think he acted the way that he acted during that whole process? Well, it, it's it's bad leadership. You know, there, there's a, uh, you know, Kirby Smart says this all the time, and I'm a big Bulldog fan, but I believe it's true in any great organization, and I think a, a good leader recognizes it, is that every day your organization is get, either getting better or it's getting worse. And it, a, a bad leader is someone who doesn't recognize that it's getting worse and, and on a daily basis. And that's what we've got with Brad. Brad jumped to a conclusion before he could even have enough information to make that conclusion. Two days after the election, he says that the 2020 election was the uh, fairest, most secure election in Georgia's history. There's not even enough time to have made that assessment. But then what he's done every day since is doubled down on that assessment. And he, you know, when, he, when, we hit, when we talk about Fulton and the issues of Fulton, and there was this, if you remember, there was this calling, this clamoring for a, uh, a signature audit uh, okay, let's do a signature audit. But then he does it in Cobb, which is a pretty well-run state, well-run county when it comes to elections. It, it, it is as if he doesn't want to see, uh, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, but that doesn't mean there isn't any evil. There's, <laughs> there's no way he could have 
I guess, fix his mistake, though, at, after a certain point, though, right? So it's his best to ignore it. Is that kind of what he's doing? Or he just doesn't care? Well, I, I don't think he's competent enough to be able to pull it out of the ditch, and so he's just going to stay with his original and initial conclusion and hide under the fact that there was a lot of drama surrounding that 2020 election. But there's a lot of things that can be done. The absentee ballot continues to be, I believe, the number one opportunity for voter fraud and for voter uncertainty. What did they – didn't they just change something, though, along with the absentee ballot? Bruce, Bruce was part of the 202. You want to talk about 202? Yeah, yeah, SB 202. I mean, we had a lot of challenges, obviously, with the previous election. Obviously, we know there was plenty of fraud, but there's also plenty of opportunities for it to be to the current rules to be exploited, whether it be the mobile units, whether it be the drop boxes, or certainly what David just talked about, where we mail out ballots randomly. I mean, I use the analogy when people ask when I'm out on a campaign trail about this. I said, imagine if you take UGA, and imagine if Visa sent out a solicitation to every single student there. All they had to do was put this code in, they would get a free credit card. <laughs> but then we get mad because you don't have a job. You weren't entitled to that. That's exactly what we did. We sent it out, enticed them to do it, and fill it out. Well, what we did with 202 is we limited that, and we took and we are going to require an ID to be able to get this. So we're now going back to what we knew before and assumed was happening, but the Dems drove a big truck right through that assumption. That was the big problem to uh, – I guess it wasn't the problem. <coughs> that was the reason why, like, they – took the all-star game out of atlanta right wasn't it that bill yeah mlb but yeah. you know what uh, Josh, that worked out yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I what love, better slap in the face to give them i you love know? the braves turn around and said we're going to double down and prove to you that america loves atlanta baseball. well i've thought it was funny this entire time because if you have the all-star game it's two days of revenue but with the world series you ended up having what four four or five so it's like uh -huh. Well, here's a kicker. I talked to Mike Plant and Derek Shield and the leadership of the Braves. The very thing they did by pulling it out was the very thing that they said they were fighting against, and that is, guess the thing of all the vendors that were there that, got, that really got snubbed, especially during the pandemic. A lot of these vendors were minority as mandated by MLB, and you ripped out from underneath them the hope and dream to be able to get back on their feet. They screwed their own people. And Josh, one thing I want you to get, and, and maybe your, your listeners too, and, and I've been guilty of this, the general electorate gets pretty excited about top-of-the-ticket races. I mean, we talk a lot about who's the president, who's the governor. Uh, in your local community, who's the county commissioner, uh, the sheriff. This last election cycle has taught us that those guys that are a little bit under those races they matter. can influence yeah. our life just as much as the top-of-the-ticket. Um, I'm going to say this about these two guys that are sitting here with us. And one... Um, I, as, as a county chair, I can't endorse. I can say both of them are really good friends, and, and people can take from that what they want to. But Bruce, if you'll just follow him on social media, he really is the male equivalent of Carmen Sandiego. I mean, I've, I've, you've seen the state and got out, and it matters to me that my statewide officials know where Cochran, where Ryan, where Eastman, where these small towns are because everything in the state is not inside 285. Well, I, th I think – and David, I, I'll tell you one thing that stood out to me, and it's not very many um, political candidates that'll do this. We were going from Ryan to Hawkinsville one day, and we had to give him a ride to go speak to a voter. And the entire ride, it was myself and another county chair. David was asking us what we thought, which is rare. Usually you get told what you're thinking. You know, th th this is what it is, and this is how it's going to be. But it was refreshing to me to to, to have somebody ask me what I thought and what I felt about something. Well, that's what I really like. Whenever I've got to go speak at some of these events, 
the main thing that I try to get across is I still believe that, you know, this country is supposed to run, is supposed to be run by we the people. That it's not career politicians, it's people that are lawyers, entrepreneurs, it's people that, uh, farmers, doctors, lawyers, or police is what I was going for. You scare me every time I look over there. I don't know why. I feel like I'm getting questioned. Uh, but uh, every time I talk, it's I want people that have not just spent their whole life wanting to be a politician. I almost want people that felt the calling, that I was completely happy in the life that I was living. I was completely content. But I knew there needed to be a change. And you've seen it from the other side. And so many people, including myself, are oblivious and kind of ignorant when it comes to a lot of things in this state. And that is why I try to do stuff like this, because I want people to realize you guys can make a difference. You know, people might still be hung up on Trump losing. I don't care anything about it anymore. I almost don't want to hear his name anymore. I really, I'm so sick of hearing it. I want to hear who can help my community. I want to hear who can help my state, who can turn Georgia around from being blue. I'm so scared from, for just because of my child being 10 years old in gifted that she's fixing that to, to learn stuff. I don't want her to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've got so much blue in this state and Georgia's not a blue state. We should not be being run the way that we're being ran right now. Josh, you're right. We're a red state. The problem is, and I say this everywhere I go, and sometimes it's offensive to people, and that is the fact of the matter is we're Republicans, and it's time to stand up and lead like Republicans. Damn right. There are too many people that are looking at us going, what's the real difference? Because you didn't lead. You got a shot. I mean, the fact that we have people right now that are that are um, afraid because of people are kneeling at the flag. I'm looking in here, and I'm so proud that you see there's flags in here and what you stand for. You know what? We're supposed to kneel to the cross and stand for, stand for the flag. And that's easy, and that brings people together. But when it's that confusing, even at a game, are you kidding me? We didn't go to a baseball game or a Falcons game. or Well, maybe we don't go to Falcons games. We go to Georgia games. There's no <laughs> reason right? to go to Falcons exactly games. Right. But the truth of the matter is it's confused people. And, um, you know, I heard David, I'm going to steal something for something I heard you say. You know, the Department of Labor is a boring agency. It, by design, it's supposed to be about workforce development. We're the number one place in the country to do business, right? And so, frankly, it should fall under the radar. Unfortunately, current commissioner Mark Butler is like Biden. Where is he? You can't find him. You can't answer and so on. It's become elevated. And I heard David say this the other day to us in the Senate. He said, I want to take an agency that's been highlighted out in the media and make it boring again. I want to take the Department of <laughs> we Labor use some and have, this thing, <laughs> have right. this thing run like a top where it's doing what it's supposed to instead of being in the media. And thir- thirteen WMAZ, uh, the the local news channel here, did a did a scathing piece on the Department of Labor. And Bruce, I don't know if this is possible. I, you, you could tell Anything's me it's impossible, possible. but for people to call an agency for months and months and months and to not get a human, and I mean, I, I know that most of us, when we call customer service of, of any company, all we want is somebody human right. that we can understand to say. I can't get with you right now, but I'm going to call you back Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Is that possible for Absolutely. us to get back to that, for these people to feel like they have some kind of confidence in, in what we're the process? Because if you, get, if you keep calling, at a certain point, you're going to get frustrated, and you're just going to say, the heck with going to work. Hey, listen, I, and, I, and I don't want to be too offensive when I'm going after somebody, but when this, when this pandemic hit and the government shut down, of course we had a large volume of unemployment claims. But it's about crisis management. We do this in our lives. We do it in businesses. 
And it was a number of years ago, the federal government offered for us in the, our state to get some money back, which is a novel idea. It's called a grant, right? We already paid in because we're taxpayers, right? Government doesn't make money. It takes it and then redeploys it. But they offered it in a form of a grant to reform our Department of Labor and modernize it with technology. South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia went into a course consortium and they entered into that. North Carolina, South Carolina completed it. Our current commissioner, the brain, I mean, he's so intelligent, right? He decides, no, we want to create our own software. Instead of the free software. Instead of the, Why would well, you it's do not that? free, but, but it was grant. free yeah. to us because it was back. And he developed his own internal software. The problem is it collapsed under the pressure of it. North Carolina and South Carolina had less of a backlog and about a third the fraud that we have. So the claims that we did pay, it's been estimated 38% of it was fraud out of state or out of the country. Really? Yeah. So it's our money, not only those that could get through somehow after claim after claim. But here's my point, the arrogance of this. We in the General Assembly, House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans said, Mark, Commissioner, we'll offer you our paid staff, are being paid by the taxpayers, to come and help you. And his word to us in person, he said, I don't want them. They're mean and nasty. Okay, it's bad enough that you're drowning. It's worse when someone comes out and says, I want to save you and give you a life wrap, and you go, I don't want it, and then you complain you drown. That don't sound like anything That's besides trying to cover arrogance. up something. That sounds like trying to cover up some stolen money. Well, we could talk about that because, you know, there was an independent, there was an independent investigation just done by an inspector general that said $1.1 million of taxpayer money was used unconstitutionally and illegally by him to cater lunches into his staff during the pandemic. What were they eating? Okay, Josh. Well, well, it's better. It's better. Hey, remember what we said earlier? A lot of the employees aren't at work. Yeah, they're not at work, but they're getting free lunches. <clears throat> uh, that's, that's pretty strong. Hey, yeah. Uber Eats is expensive. Okay. <laughs> getting it delivered to your house is expensive, but that seems a little excessive. Yeah, you could try to get a Chick-fil-A out here where there's no Chick-fil-A. I guess it would be expensive. Oh, my and, God. And, Josh, I'll tell you, one, one of the – as far as calling in, um, and, and, David, I'll be fair with you. I don't, I don't know that I've shared this story with you. In the Senate runoff races – um, down in Eastman, uh, we're, Josh and I are both from Dodge County. Mm-hmm. There's not much you're going to tell us about voter fraud. We, we grew up in it. We yeah. saw it. We, we, we right. knew it for what it was. But It's kind of ingrained in us, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the, Fred's, the Fred's parking lot down there, they had something that was called a collard green caucus. And so you they called had a, me that day. Yeah, they had you a big me. digital board. Um, I went down there. I sat with the sheriff and with the GBI officer at the Bank of Eastman across the parking lot where they were handing bags of groceries from $35 to $50 and putting the person in the car and taking them right, right around the corner to go vote. That's not an enticement, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, and I remember calling the Secretary of State's office, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. With some of the personalities they have working up there, it, it just makes me want to beat my head into a brick wall. But when I called back later, I couldn't get anybody. And I finally, to Gabe on Facebook, made a message, and he basically said that I had never called and reported anything. Well, I went on my Verizon bill, and I printed off where I had, you know, where I had contacted them. And my simple question was this, how much can we spend on the right to buy votes? And their answer really quickly is zero. And I said, well, then how can the other side hand out groceries. You didn't know it wasn't the same rules? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I never could. And, and until we make examples, David, out of some of this oh, stuff, yeah. and it, it, all, it, all it takes is for the Secretary of State's office to tell the local law enforcement, 
tell them to disperse and go home. That, well, you can't here, be handing here, groceries here's out. Here's two two things from that, and and, and one is, and, and I think we just need to recognize this, not necessarily just with the Secretary of State's office, but with the Labor office as well. It is easier to believe right than to lead right. You know, when I was running for Secretary of State last time, uh, all four of us, there were four of us running, and we were running hard all across the state. Well, three of us were running hard. One was just kind of sitting back. But uh, but if you'd asked us about whether election integrity was important, every one of us would have given you the right answer. Uh, the problem is the guy that got the job couldn't do the job. And uh, I'm, I didn't mention it when I was doing my background there. I'm the former mayor of Alpharetta. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to brag a little bit about the city because mayors brag and I feel like I get a pass because I'm a mayor. But, um, you know, in Alpharetta, we were able to create a new downtown for uh, out of whole cloth. We, we took an 85 acre failed project and were able to bring the right team together, lead it to what now is Avalon. We grew our core industry from about 300 plus companies to over 700 companies. We pursued and landed a technical college. Uh, we were able to launch a, a conference center uh, that was self-sustaining a technology incubator. Uh, we were able to do all these things and still be uh, Georgia's safest city, uh, as well as with the lowest unemployment rate quarter after quarter. And these things, they, they happen not because I believed right. There, there's no way to believe those things into being. And it also, they didn't happen because there the, uh, is an executive privilege or an executive power through the mayor's office. The mayor doesn't have a ton of power. Uh, they happened because we were able to use that platform of mayor to cast a vision that we cast both inside our organization and outside our organization. We've got people in our community, businesses in our community, the people who touch and concern our community on the same page, and we're able to make those happen in less than two terms. And in order to bring the Secretary of State's office and pull election integrity and voter confidence out of the ditch, that's the kind of leadership, those are the kinds of skill sets that are gonna be necessary to do that. And to your point, you know, we, we talk about things not being enforced and things being looked at. I mean, that's obviously it's not good leadership, but it also violates another principle, and that is what is rewarded is repeated. You know, when we turn a blind eye uh, to, to election law being violated, to people double voting, Brad has said in his own statement that he knows of 1,700 people that voted twice. They voted by absentee ballot and then voted in person. But not one of those people have been prosecuted or turned over to the attorney general's office. If you don't, if you reward that by not going after it, it will be repeated. It will grow. And the confidence in our system will crumble. And when you think about it, you know, this is kind of like, you know, we talked a minute ago about it's one of those things you don't notice until it goes wrong. The, the analogy I gave to the Senate caucus was, was the Braves parade. I don't know if y'all saw that. But apparently it is the shortest championship parade in, in, in our history because the bus driver, and I saw the clip, was driving. There was thousands of people on the side of the road, right, to see the Braves and, and, and cheer on our champions. But the bus driver was driving like 30 to 35 miles an hour. I mean, it is Atlanta. Nobody. Well, no, <laughs> I'm trying then, to get there it, as quick as possible. Then it, no, no. <laughs> if it's Atlanta, it should be five miles an hour, right? Because there's like 100 cars in front of you. It's the first time the traffic's been That's cleared. <laughs> but the point is, is that nobody thinks about the job of a bus driver until he goes 35 miles an hour down a parade route. It's like, have you been to a parade? Uh, and it's the same thing with the Secretary of State. No one thinks about the Secretary of State until they screw it up until you realize they don't know how to lead, until you realize that they don't understand how to actually bring the practical realities of election integrity into being, and that's what we have here. I, I have a question about something you just said. Uh, you mm -hmm. said that there were 1,700 uh, people that voted twice. That, they, that, that they, He knows of 1,700. I think okay. there may have been more and okay. probably were. Okay, <laughs> and you said that they should have been prosecuted. Yes. 
okay, should they have been prosecuted or should the people that have been counting the votes been prosecuted and not realize that there was a mistake in them voting twice? Well, I, th- I mean, uh, you, you're prosecuting someone for making a mistake. Here's the thing, too. When I say prosecuted, there's, there are two, you know, our laws are not heartless. Yeah. There are civil penalties and criminal penalties. Civil penalties apply to someone who, you know, the intent wasn't there to commit fraud. Okay, but there are civil penalties for that. Mm-hmm. Criminal penalties, and this is harder, it's a harder case, and it should be. A felony, it is a felony to commit election fraud, but you have to be able to prove intent. Uh, but at the mean, in the meantime, if we're not investigating and even pursuing the civil penalties in these instances, all you're saying is like, hey, vote twice. Worst case scenario, you only get one vote. And that's not going <laughs> to be able to create the type of confidence. We've lost confidence in our system. We have a crisis of voter confidence. And if you need to look, you know, people talk about, well, voter suppression, if you have to bring a photo ID, well, that's that's suppressing the vote. That's not voter suppression. That, I don't it, think it is at that, all. That's voter inconvenience at best. Voter suppression, which can be documented and numerically documented, is when you have, and that's this is the case <clears throat> in that January 5th runoff, when you have over 300,000 Republicans stay home, because they don't believe the election is fair, that their vote will be counted, and that the right result will prevail. And so that's what happened on January 5th, and that is a direct result as to how those elections were managed. And that, to me, is true voter suppression. And we have to be able to win back trust and put an end to it. Well, the, Josh, that, I, I'll tell you this. That's my biggest concern going forward is, and I'm not going to ask everybody in the room, who do you support for governor? Who do you support for lieutenant governor? But if your guy... Or, or lady doesn't get out of the primary. I think that we have a, a severe problem of, well, I'm just going to take my toys out the sandbox and go home. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not supporting, I, I'm not going to be a part of it if my guy isn't there. Um, that is a recipe for a blue state. Uh, and that, that, that is a recipe. And, you know, some of these races, they, they are contested. And what I try to tell people is be for somebody. Be, have a reason to be for somebody. Don't sit here. You know, we watched in the um, Collins and Leffler race where people, it was almost the Bloods and the Crips. Like people just <laughs> associated with one side and they got their feelings hurt and didn't turn around and go back and, and vote. And, and we don't have the numbers to do that. that, that, we, that we, have, we have to vote. We have to get out and go. That's what this is for. People getting to know the people and get behind you. It's because we, and I'll say this from, I'm obviously the only person here has really nothing to do with politics. Nobody that we've had on this show or I've talked to believes in it anymore. There has to be a reason to get out back and vote and knowing your candidate and knowing what they stand for is the reason and how you get them back out. Josh, listen, and I don't mean to act like I'm a victim because I'm not. I grew up in a very difficult situation. Yeah. A lot of physical abuse, alcoholism, drugs. My older half-brother committed suicide. Another brother that was four years old died mysteriously. So I know what that's like, right? You can either hang your head and become part of that environment, and it's self-fulfilling, or you can break the heck out. And as a conservative, we look in the mirror every day and make a decision for ourselves. It's called personal responsibility. When it comes to this election, I don't mind saying this. How many people didn't turn out and vote that comes to these rooms and they they scream and holler and carry on, which we should, and be angry, but take that anger instead of being indignant, turn it into action, right? Sitting on your butt is not action. Showing up at a GOP meeting or a town hall meeting and ranting and raving and screaming, and then when somebody says, what did you do? Did you turn out and vote? Did you drag somebody? Did you educate the person not educated? And they go, no. Say, well, listen, the time to get active is not then. The time to get active is during that cycle. 
And why is it worth getting out and voting? Because I'm sitting here today as someone that lives a very, very nice life that because I was given the opportunity to do that, right? People, men and women fought. As a veteran, we fought for the right to vote. And one day we're going to lose stuff as we continue to see stuff erode away where the government continues to take. And we're going to go, how the heck did that happen? Because we allowed it to happen. And you can't blame anybody if you don't get active in doing that. I don't, I mean, my, my, my team that's sitting here and my consultant, I hate it when I, when I say this. I'm interviewing for a job, right? Not a position that I want. I don't, I don't dream of becoming a labor commissioner. <laughs> I don't right? think anybody does. Right. I dream of going and fixing something and turning an agency into what it's supposed to be. Inside the building, your sole responsibility is to serve the people that's outside the building. When we fix that, I've said this time and time again, I won't run again. If we can do it in one term, I'm done. Oh, both of you guys are going to get asked to run for more things. It's the, it's the passion. That right there, the passion that both of y'all put out there, that's what people need to hear. Like, there's a – nobody – as stupid as something, nobody really cares about the policy. They care about the person. They want to know Brian Kemp with his commercials when he first came out running for governor a couple of years, the pickup truck, shotgun, everything. They had every person in Georgia geared up, ready to go. I think Brian's still that person. He – played it up to 10 the the ads that i watched of yours this morning absolutely love them <laughs> i love those ads but it's the passion you now have to see that passion that fire in your candidate and you ever had a coach growing up that you would have run through a wall for absolutely that's what everybody is looking for right now they're looking for somebody they can put their faith their trust their hope in the change to write this ship to run through a wall for them. and josh i'll tell you this when people start with me on the your vote doesn't count, I'm really quick to tell them it doesn't. Your vote doesn't count. Because in a 50-50 state, it's not your vote. It's your vote and whether you can bring four people with you. That, that's, that's really it. And we've got to get out of the mentality of I went up there, I voted, that's my entire job. Or I stuck a yard sign by my mailbox, that's my entire job. Unless you get into your Sunday school class, your travel softball team, who, who, whoever your, your sphere of influence is, and everybody has one. Everybody, right. Nobody's an island. Nobody's a hermit that just lives by themselves. We have to get numbers. And one of the things in talking to the governor that I've expressed to him, and this was goofy. Y'all two may not remember this. But when he ran the first time, they play, did a play on the Georgia Bulldogs thing where you took four people to vote, and everybody held up the number four, right? Mm -hmm. You know, for like the dogs do in the fourth quarter. It was goofy. It was cheap. But I think it also conveyed the message, we don't need you. We need you and your buddies. Like, we, we, we need you to call people. And it doesn't take long. Here in Blackley County, we, we, we don't wait 10 minutes to vote. I mean, we go in, we vote. It, it doesn't take anything. But when you vote to walk out of there to text eight friends and say, hey, I just went and did it and it took me five minutes. Y'all need to come do it right now while, while there's no line. That doesn't take effort. But people... People want to be associated with groups. They want to be associated with something like that. And, and you have got to take the mindset of, I'm going to vote, but I'm also going to be responsible for 10 other votes, eight, eight other votes, whatever it is. And those numbers do matter. Now, I can tell people, I don't know what happened in Fulton County. I don't know. I wasn't there. There's a lot of people don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably in the majority there. I can, t I, can give, I can give people here the faith and the confidence. We've got the straightest probate judge overseeing this election that I've ever seen. He would not walk across the hall with a stack of ballots 
to put into the machine without myself on one side and the Democrat chair on, on the other side. It was completely honest. Every vote counted, and every vote only counted one time. Uh, on the signature verification, the ones that got kicked out, we mm -hmm. were able to cure them, because, all 17 of them, because we know who everybody is in our county. Now, that's not, you can't do that in Cobb and Gwinnett and Fulton. But here, it ran right. People should have the confidence to go vote. People should want well, and, to go and vote. And part of it, a lot of that, uh, it, it falls on the process itself. I, I tell people, look, you know, uh, when, I, when I'm Secretary of State, we're going to treat, you know, ballots like evidence in a murder trial. I mean, that, that, that really is the, the mindset that you have to have. And, you know, when you, when you hear these internal reports of Fulton County, with batches of ballots that were left unattended, one single person moving them from one location to the other, and then that person not being logged. All those things serve to erode the confidence. And, you know, look, we're already facing a battle. Even in a, perfect, in a perfectly run election from county to county, it's getting people to care and take a part. You know, it's a battle. It's getting, getting people to care and feel like that their vote is going to count, as you mentioned. Uh, that's an issue, and, and that, that's a good issue to have, to be honest with you, that that's the only issue. But when you have on the other side of that, them feeling like, well, why should I? Because it's not going to count anyway. Until you get that fixed, until you start treating uh, uh, ballots like evidence in a murder trial, um, you're going to have a lot of uh, people not going to vote because their confidence just is not there in the system. Well, True. they have to have confidence in y'all. So, so but, if I may, so, I, and I say this time and time again, and that is, think about this. You know, the, we just had the Braves win, right? Now we got a chance with the Bulldogs, right? Are either one of y'all cool enough to have uh, national championship tickets? <laughs> not that cool, but I really like to. If anybody yeah, wants hey, to be that guy. I'm, I'm just telling you, I will really endorse the hell out of one of you. <laughs> send, your, send, your, uh, <laughs> send your in-kind donation to uh, – <laughs> right. We can't solicit because we're in special section. No, but seriously, imagine this. Imagine that they go in the SEC championship, right? We've been there before, right? And imagine that there's clipping and holding and pass interference. And Kirby is so freaking angry at watching what's going on. Right? Kind of like the election. And he tells his team at halftime, going at halftime, you know what, just stay. Just stay. We're going to send a message to the refs. He'd be fired. He'd be fired, and you'd guarantee lose the job. So when people tell me, well, that's why I didn't vote, I'm like, well, yeah, you showed us. You gave us two Democratic U.S. senators that not only affected our state, our country and other nations. The fact of the matter is, what you do is, he says, go in there, strap it on, regroup, come out, knock somebody on their can while the coaching staff does their job. That's what we did in the General Assembly, that's B202. We did our job. Now it's time for the voters to do their job. And you know, you, you, you mentioned the senators. You know, I, I was sitting here talking with somebody last night about our US Senate race. We've got four guys who I'm going to be completely honest with you. I like all four dudes. All four of them are, are good guys. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with any of them. And what I've tried to tell people is find one of them. Find one of them you like. If you don't like one of those four guys, you're probably never going to find That's a right. political candidate that you like. <laughs> but find one of them, support them. But also, if your guy doesn't come out on top, be ready to fall in line with That's the what guy. That's running with for, the right? guy. Yeah. You got uh, – Kelvin King, Latham Sadler, Gary Black, and Herschel Walker. I might like all of them, but I know who's winning. <laughs> they, but but fall, fall in line with who it is because whichever one of those guys come out is better than Raphael Warnock That's right. for the state of Georgia. And we're not we're not playing for marbles in the state of Georgia. We don't want to say we've got two Republican senators look, look at us. 
this is for control of the free world. Well, I, I mean, that's how close things are right and now. I'll, I want to just throw in there because I think it's important that we recognize this. Uh, you know, blame needs to fall where it falls. And, you know, Brad Raffensperger, in signing that consent decree, he cost us not only, uh, you know, Georgia's electoral votes, I think, in the presidency, but also in the runoff, you know, uh, David Perdue avoids runoff. That, that what I told y'all earlier. Yes. That when 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 you you know there's fifty five thousand ba- there's fifty five thousand ballots that uh, were counted as votes that in any other election would have been rejected based on just plain statistics and the in the shift that that consent decree caused. Now the the absentee ballots as a whole, there's one point three million of them. They fell sixty five percent for Biden, thirty five percent for Trump. If you pull those 55,000 ballots that statistically should not have been there, not only does it change the outcome in Georgia's electoral votes in terms of those 11,600 votes, it does shift and shows that the wrong result was certified there. It also shows that the that David Perdue should have avoided a runoff and he would be our senator. And when you think about it, you know we, we know that the, the Democrats, they control the White House. They control the House of Representatives. But we could have held the Senate. That would have been Republicans, conservatives, last line of defense, not just in Georgia, but in the entire country. And that falls at the feet of Brad Raffensperger, and he needs to own that. It's, you know, the, the, the elections have consequences. The, the guy that said it first, I'm not a big fan of, hmm. but, but it, it, do, it does hold true. And, you know, one down-ballot race, I can tell you from looking at all the ballots that come through Blakely County, I can tell you one thing statistically from my small sample size, is that Republicans do have a small advantage in that we do vote our ballot. We don't get ballot fatigue. On the other side, I would see the top three races marked and then the ones up underneath it, they just didn't vote in. I think we also, before you go in to vote, you need to look at the ballot. You would not believe how many people in the Senate um, race voted for four or five Republicans. They just voted for all the Republicans. And on the other side, voted for every Democrat in there. That invalidates that vote. I mean, it's, it's called an overvote. But you need to know how to vote. You, need, you don't need to just walk up. You need to get the ballot. You can go online and look at it before you walk in the door and be ready to vote because we've seen even those down-ballot races like school board that nobody really cared about, hey, that, those kind of matter now, don't they? I mean, the school board's kind of who's on your board of education matters, and, and you need to be able to go all the way down. It's not yeah. just the one race that's on television because that candidate has $30 million to spend on ads. Is there any, like, would, any educational videos or whatever that people post on how to vote? Like how, the process of it? No, I mean, like as far as the ballot and everything goes in each state. No, the ballot, what I would just advise people is to go look at the ballot because every time, and I've been guilty of this in the past. The bottom, the referendums and everything, you get down there, and those things are worded horribly. I mean, they're all they're lawyer talk, but <laughs> you, they hey they really are. Hey I mean, they're you don't know feelings. if you're for it or against it, <laughs> yeah. but you feel real strong about it. You can but say you, whatever. I wouldn't know if you was trying to hurt mine or not. You need to you, <laughs> you need to be familiar, you and you need to understand that not only that top man matters, that man that's last on the ballot matters too. Well, that I, race I, matters. I would argue not only does it matter, but in, in many cases, and of course this is coming from a mayor, but uh, I believe the ballot is inverse <laughs> in that the folks at the bottom probably matter more to your day-to-day life than the folks at the top. The president's uh, never going to answer your phone call. That's right. That's right. Your sheriff, your county commissioner. Your mayor, your sheriff, your county commissioner, your councilman, your state rep, those are the folks that are in your local sphere, in your local world, and those are the ones who have, I think, true impact. I mean, everybody has impact. 
but I think almost the ballot is in reverse order in terms of the folks who affect your day-to-day life. Well, it's interesting you talk about voting, Chan, is in, in a situation like mine, as of right now, we still have an incumbent that's in there. And many times, if you don't get educated, you get educated at the top, and just you, tell them, the just vote, you just hit the eye and you vote for the incumbent. I, I am not leaving a safe Senate seat where I have the privilege of chairing economic development around our state, not just, not just Cherokee, Bartonka, around our state, to go fix an agency. I want people to understand I'm interviewing for this job, and the current guy that has it doesn't want the job. So they need to understand that when it comes into vote. If he ch- decides to run for this seat, do not choose an I because you'll get the exact same thing. What do we know is a definition of insanity? Choosing the exact same thing, expecting a different. Has he said he's going to run again? He's, he's said he, he's looking for a job. He's interviewing everywhere. And frankly, if you perform poorly, it's hard to get another job. Isn't that funny that the Department of Labor guy couldn't find a job? Well, well, Josh, Josh, that guy speaks volumes I, about what he did. I'll tell you what I want to do. Maybe, I want to help, check himself that's, in. That's I, I help him I want to help him understand how to fill out his own unemployment claim. <laughs> I want you to help him because it seems like I'd hate him. Is it? I, I could talk trash about all these folks. I know it's hard for y'all to, but I just one thing that has bothered me throughout this whole pandemic and everything is you've seen seen good family struggle that didn't need to, and you've seen people that have never worked a day in their life had it made the past year. Hey, and, and I don't want to see that anymore. The empty meets we talked about, right? He gave an example, and this is I'm not. I mean, Bill talked about this. He said, "Listen, we literally on our camera watched someone, three people in our kitchen, as soon as the." PPP loan hit their phone. They dropped the key, said, I'm out. We watched it on film. One of them was driving a BMW in the next week. He said, we were already paying them a really good wage. Mr. Phil pays them good. And, yeah, and, that, those boys and I, good and I said yeah. to him, I said, how did they get a PPP loan? They're employees. He said, people have set up fraudulent activity to be able to set up corporations so that they were getting corporate money. It's a mass giveaway. It's exactly right. I have a business. No, it's it's not one. a mass giveaway. It's vote buying. Well, that's, that's what it is. It's just a lot more complicated way of doing it than a fifth. Of it's liquor. a redistribution of yeah. wealth taken from the taxpayers and given back to those. Yeah, it sucks because like my dad has a drywall company. He couldn't get one. I have this now. Couldn't get one. Then you see somebody who says, oh, I cut hair for a living. Doesn't have a barbershop. Doesn't have nothing. And you get one. Like it, none of it makes sense. Like I, it feels like it almost feels like if you have a real profession, farmer or whatever, you're getting just shafted now worse than ever to where people are getting more handouts from ever just being lazy and i do think it's creating votes i think it's they are uh i like candace um candace owens a lot and she talks about uh how the government has became daddy to a lot of people and to where we have made it so easy for people to be lazy and the government to give them handouts to where they don't want daddy to go away now they want to keep getting those handouts they've created voters created a welfare state yeah and I just, uh, I hope that that doesn't, I hope with you guys and some more folks uh, in Herschel, because Herschel's going to win. There's a picture of Jesus and Herschel in everybody's house in Georgia. He's not losing. <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah, just go ahead and take a picture with Herschel and all you're going to get elected. That's how you get elected. Y'all both have fire and passion, though. I hope uh, as we end this, I want y'all to kind of give you last little spiel for everybody right here and then we'll get off. But I really hope that people take the time to get to know you two. I'm glad that y'all came here today. I know you didn't have to. It's probably the weirdest thing that you'll do throughout the whole election process. But Chan said it right. With the, You have to talk to, four, to 10 of your friends. And that's what I'm trying to do now because I don't want to see my state just go to hell. And right now, that's where I feel like it's going. And if it ain't for y'all guys, that's where it's going to end up. Yeah, I'll go. So 
David Belisle, and uh, I want to just quickly just state why this is the worst job in politics. Uh, I know you talked about uh, you know, not wanting Department of Labor commissioner, but I, I would I would argue that Secretary of State's the worst job uh, in politics. And uh, the, the here I want to kind of share though why I would run for this office, and and it you know election integrity is is the issue right now. But that's when I first ran, which was last round. Uh, election integrity was just kind of a nice statement. It wasn't, you know, I, I tell people I was for election integrity before it was cool. We were, our, our platform was defeat voter fraud and champion Georgia jobs. And the champion Georgia jobs was really where the passion was for me last time. And it still is. It's just that right now there's a hole in the boat <laughs> with election integrity and we've got to fix that. But as a mayor, what, what I loved, I mean, I told you about, you know, we, we were able to grow our core industry from uh, 300 plus jobs, 300 plus companies to over 700 just in our city limits alone. Uh, which is you know, it's the highest concentration of technology companies anywhere in the southeast is what we were able to do in Alpharetta. And so one of the things I want to do you, with the Secretary of State's office, that we talked about leadership and it being a platform job, is we talked about, you know, it, it, it is an organization. You know, there, it, it is elections, but it's also corporations, securities, licensing, charities. It is an organization that touches every single business, every single organization in the state of Georgia. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity um, to do what I would consider my dream job, which is to be essentially mayor at large. <laughs> I want to be able to sit down with communities, with counties, with cities, and figure out, hey, look, what do you want to be? What do you want to become? What is the could be and should be for your area, and how can I help you get there? Because that is where I come alive. Uh, I love that about we would sit in conference rooms in, in the mayor's office, and it's like I have no idea how to get there, but I know that if we get this person and this person and this person in the room, they can help chart the course and we can accomplish that. And, and you know, we didn't get everything that we wanted uh, accomplished, but we got about 85%. And I would love to do that for the state of Georgia. And so if you want to know, you know what's behind this, David Belisle running, you know, the, the thing that drew me to this race and to this platform was an opportunity to essentially be mayor at large for the state of Georgia to help the communities, uh, the counties, the cities to become what they want to be. Uh, in their future and be the best version uh, of their community. So I uh, hope you'll vote for me, David Belisle. You can reach us at davidbelisle.com. We're easy to find on any social media platform, B-E-L-L-E-I-S-L-E, but uh, would love to be your next Secretary of State. To, to simplify it to our listeners, because I'll be honest with you, some of them ain't that smart. They're all, they're <laughs> awesome people, but to simplify it, what would be the number one thing that is different about you than the current Secretary of State? Well, it, it comes down to, you know, it, we said it earlier, it, it's easier to believe right than lead right. You know, this is not a voting job. A lot of jobs in politics are voting jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. We need voting jobs. Uh, but this is a leadership job. You don't get to vote as Secretary of State. You have to be able to cast a vision. You have to be able to get the right people in the room and bring that vision into reality. That's the only way this office is going to work. And I'm the only one that's running for this seat that has that background, that proven track record to be able to bring and pull the Secretary of State's office right now out of the ditch. Cool. All right, Mr. Bruce. Well, it's Bruce Thompson for Georgians, and one of the things that we're known for is two-lane travel. I mean, we have traveled all over the state. Chan's talked about this, and it's why? Because we're a relationship. We're driven by relationships. And you're seeing our yellow signs show up everybody and people everywhere, and people go, why yellow signs? Because yellow represents work and construction. I'm a fixer by nature. It's what I've done, whether it be automatic pool cover businesses or software companies or funeral homes or development or what any of the companies that I've started or bought and tore apart. And then we put them back together and made them very vibrant. Um, it's just who I am. I don't necessarily need to be at the top of something. I'm not looking for a statue. I'm just looking for opportunities to fix stuff. 
And because that's who I am, when this broken agency came to, to light, someone needed to step up and do it. And I think the best uh, privilege I can have or badge that I can have is my colleagues in the Senate said, this is your nature, what you do. Go do it and we'll get behind you. And as we've traveled around the state, everywhere we see, we're meeting people and people are going, you've got to fix this thing. It's broken and you've got to fix it. And so um, what do you know about me? I'm a fixer by nature. You, if you're pro-life, I was the guy that introduced the heartbeat bill in the Senate. Uh, I'm the guy that brought the Tebow bill, and we got it passed this year, allowing homeschoolers to finally have access to schools. I've worked on tax reform and so on. So I, I like to go to work quietly, but I like to make sure we get things fixed and we do it in an exponential way. I realize that everybody's working hard. Well, they, get, they have to be smart, Josh. They're listening to you, right? I mean, you say that's what they listeners. say. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's what that's what we'll say about them too. So if they're if they're smart enough to realize we have a problem out there that they're paying for because their tax money is going to this, then they expect results. And I'm a results driven guy. So Bruce Thompson for Georgians, follow along with us as Tulane Travel. I'd ask you the same question: What would be the main thing that was different? But you'd be open. Uh, well, I would say first of all, when I was in the Senate, or even <laughs> even all the companies I'm I had, it took y'all a second. Like yeah. I've been sitting here waiting on that damn joke. Exactly right. <laughs> like that, the offices will be open if Bruce is there. And everywhere I've been, people have my cell phone. I'll pick yeah. the phone up. Um, you can't do business when you know this. You can't do business if you don't answer your phone. You are right about that, boss. Jo- Josh, I'll tell you, in, in trying to get some of these candidates to, to explore. I guess a medium to reach voters that doesn't cost tons of money like airwaves, uh, traditional airwaves yeah. do. Here's one thing I, I want to tell your listeners is find a candidate, find a candidate that you believe in, that you think is competent, that you can trust, because there's enough candidates out there that you can't. Find, find you one that, that you feel like is going to do the job and really support them. You know, look for somebody that wants to do something and not be something. Look, look for somebody that wants to sit there and get a job done, whether it's on the front page of the AJC or nobody knows their name. Just going to get it done. And the, the third and final thing I'll go back and hit again, your vote does not count. You and all your friends together is what counts. Right. And we have to leverage our contacts and, and our personal friends to, to go vote. We, we have to hammer that. But – Find you somebody and back them, and, and hopefully you've, you've heard from two pretty darn good candidates here today. Josh, if I can just say one last thing, and yeah. that is, you, I think you got to stand up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, is this state worth saving? If it, is it worth saving? If it is, then get active and save it. If it's not worth saving, then freak, go move to another state. That, that's literally what I tell people. Anytime I throw my, mat or my name into a conversation about politics, everybody always asks, why? Because when you're in music and when you're in this line of entertainment – you can get slung through the mud for your political beliefs. I got fired because of my political beliefs. Mm. And the thing is, it's because I believe in this state. I believe in this country. I believe in the people. I believe in our freedoms. And uh, one thing I really dig about you two guys, and it just has radiated the whole time y'all have talked. One of my favorite sayings of all time is, those who want to be kings are horrible kings. It's people who have no choice but to be a king are good kings. And that's what I feel like. I feel like both of you guys are, you don't even really want the job, but you know that you need to do the job. And if you don't, then it's going to go to hell. And that's what I like. You're not career or politicians. Stay in hell. <laughs> yeah, right, whatever it is right now. But uh, And I hope, he, he said something right here, and then we'll get off here, about reaching out in a different way. I appreciate you guys coming. 
But I hope that y'all do a whole lot of different stuff like this because nobody's listening to terrestrial radio. Nobody's watching the ads on TV, really. Like, you have to meet people a different way now. We do have a large audience in Georgia. Most people would be like, ah, not a chance in hell I'm going on the show. I appreciate that y'all did. And I know from, from me and the people that work with me and the people that the social media influencers that we have, I'll be passing y'all's name along to them. And we'll be doing anything that we can because people that come here, this is like the people. This isn't no big corporation. This is the people. And that's what listens to this show, the people that actually need change. Well, and that's what I, tell, what I tell people about these small towns and statewide candidates you know, when you come to Griff Bowens has been running for 50 years, those people don't necessarily want anything from you. They want you to know that they're there. That's yeah. Right. That's it. They, 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 we're outside the perimeter, but we're still here. And that's, that's, it, that's why it's always mattered to me when statewide candidates come to small. I think congratulations, cool. one entrepreneur or another, for how your success in one year. Uh, it's, I think it's just because I've done well. I mean, I, I stand for what I believe in. That's right. And I'm literally going to live by my guns or die by my guns at this point. I'm going to stand there Amen. for what I feel is right with my religious, political beliefs. And if I get canceled again or whatever because of it, then I went down the way that I wanted to. And that was being true to myself. And I hope you all the same way. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you all. And, folks, thank you all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. We will catch you all next time.